Welcome to the Adonis Index Podcast. I'm John Barbin. With me is Alan Elliott, and we are kind of doing a mid-year, um, I don't know, we're just, we're, we're checking in to see where you've got, got to this year, uh, 2013 with your, with your sort of your second, your second life as a, as a physique model. So during the day you've got your sort of day job and then, and then you have, you have this, this second life where, I mean, everyone kind of who's been paying attention to the blog knows that you're part of the Adonis team, but then you have sort of everything that goes with being a, a physique model, I guess. And um, I guess part, I guess where are we going with this? Part of this is explaining to people all the sort of things that can happen when you get into that condition and hold that condition um, and throw your, throw your hat in the ring. I know we've had, I know guys have contacted me <clears throat> personally asking, you know, they, they do well in one of our contests or they get in shape and then they're like, what, what can I do as far as modeling or, or just, you know, where can this take me? And you've got the best insight for this. So let's just give a little background from last year and then work us up to the, I guess, give us some background from last year, work us up to now and then what's coming next. Absolutely. Well, um, thanks again, John, for having me on and, um, just shout out to all my brothers in iron, you know, living the Adonis lifestyle. I appreciate everybody's you know support and encouragement, and this the system is truly a testament to uh, the unlimited potential of what can be. Um, you know, as John stated earlier, I you know myself went from a customer to now you know working and being a member of the team, and uh, I just you know set some goals for myself and stood fast to those goals. John has been a great help in providing some insight and coaching, and I remember uh, from the very beginning, you know, it was way back, John and I think it was AT3. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah, a while ago. You know, after the call was over, they were like, you know, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, I just want to be the best I can be. And I guess it was seeing something and then reverse game planning. So, you know, I always, I saw the magazines or I saw the fitness covers and then I realized the potential of what the Adonis uh, Golden Ratio could do. And I just, you know, trained for that. But getting there, Getting there was a journey. It was a struggle. Um, 2011, I worked hard, I guess, for myself, not necessarily the smartest way. And then 2012 was when things changed. That was whenever, uh, you know, the second, I guess, what, what did we call that, John? The best overall transformation? Or not best transformation, but just who looked the best? No, just the Open. Oh, the Open, yeah. So after winning the Open, um, John came to me and said, you know, hey, you know, you've, you've won the Open. I have been watching you, studying you, and I want you to help me build the next program. And that's what birthed the gauntlet. You know, that telephone call birthed the gauntlet, and John came down to Atlanta. We shot the video in a House of Pain gym. And then from there, I realized that, you know, if people, if I believed in myself and people saw something in me, then I owed it back to them to not let them down. So having that accountability to keep pushing and striving is what made me realize I need to work smarter and not harder. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really had to prioritize what was important. Cause to be honest, John, you know, these are, you know, me kind of airing my dirty laundry, but I, I have spent a great deal of money in the uh, fitness arena. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't call all of them losses. I would just call them painful learning experiences. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's always, as yeah. long as your eyes are open and you, and, you, 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 and you do pay attention to it, and you're not like it. It can be a learning experience, or yeah. or you can ignore 
the obvious signs each time, right? So, but <clears throat> but you and I usually talk before and after each one of your adventures, and we, you know, I, I you know, and I, I don't know if you've gathered this, but I kind of challenge you to decide what 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 you learn from it and what what it, how you're going to adjust course moving Absolutely. forward. Absolutely, absolutely, and I believe it's been, uh, you know, your your uh, I guess consultation and guidance to. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it deer in the headlights. I would call it competitor in the limelight. <laughs> yeah. That is a great, that's actually a great, and like, I like that phrase. Yes. Well, it's just because I've seen, so I guess let's, where, where are we getting at here is the, is don't get caught up or at least be very open, go in with eyes open about what you can and can't accomplish with your body when it comes yes. to physique modeling fitness modeling and i told you a long time ago that only the very very top few bodybuilders in the world make a living at it and that's a short living like it's only a few years that they're at the top absolutely and that's just the top bodybuilders like I, and and that goes along with uh having like superior genetics to begin with and at the bodybuilding levels which is you know way more muscular than the, the categories that you, you would compete in that's obviously all drugs at, at the at that level mm -hmm. um but those guys made a decision and the top few guys do make money and if they're smart with their money they can they can live off it but it i, I think but i've worked with people who think like becoming a pro like getting a pro card means they're like a, i don't know i think they think they're going to become a pro athlete like tom brady and i'm like it's not like that it's no they can do things for you and you have to be create you have to really know how to leverage it and that's what i think we'll talk about Yes. And uh but yeah, so that's that's some discussions I've had with multiple other people who've approached me about about being in competitions. Absolutely. But, but I think you're doing it right. I think you've you've yeah, you've you've uh you've you've taken your lumps along the way, but you're you've been smart about how you've navigated it. Absolutely. And um I think you you also touched on the point of uh treating your physique like a business. Mhm. Mm and in that business realm, you know, you do have to get continuing education. And what made the turning point for me was finding and seeking out how to get that information. You know, what does it take to become a fitness model? How do you, you know, book photo shoots, get covers, uh, land, you know, jobs? And it's it's kind of like a, you know, it is it's a business, and you're you're treating yourself kind of like a resume. Like, what is on your fitness resume? What do you have? What credentials do you have that would make somebody want to hire you? And there's a lot of uh, factors that go into that. You know, you're your social media status, you know, people people take that into account. Um, also, what work, who you have worked with, who you haven't worked with, you know, it's a it's a tight arena. But uh, you know, knowing the nature of the game and what you're into, kind of helped set me up for what I would go against in the industry. And then um, from there, it's just kind of like being consistent because once you've proven that you're consistent, people will be more more apt or adept to work with you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think from there, that was that was a turning point in 2012. And then I guess the exposure, you know, the breakout is learning those seeds from back in AT3. Coming into 2013, I launched with uh, my cover of uh, Max Muscle Magazine. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a huge that was a huge accomplishment and testament to me uh, for several reasons. But for one is, you know, you know, my face is on the I was on the cover alone of a of a you know major supplement company international you know it's in United States Canada but that that shows that somebody believed and had credibility that I was marketable and could sell a positive image for their company mm -hmm. 
And then from there, that just, that totally, um, I guess, opened the floodgates, so to speak, mm-hmm. where that became my, uh, it really became a business card, honestly, because it's like, hey, you know, this is who this guy is. This is how you contact him. And then the opportunity to contribute, you know, I got a lot of opportunities to do other events and things, but I had to, you know, again, treating it like a business, what was worth my time, what wasn't worth my time. And at the end of the day, you know, your body is all you have and you have to keep that number one. So it would be no good to, you know, run, run amok, you know, chasing everything and then your physical health and what got you there starts to deteriorate. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, well, yeah, you had opportunities yeah. that you discuss and whether or not they were even worth pursuing. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not like it, you do get to a point where, and you have got to a point where you can, I don't want to say get choosy, but you have to be smart. Like, some of the opportunities present themselves, they're actually mutually beneficial for you and the other party. Some of them, uh, they're just, they're, they're hoping you're just sort of naive and they can take advantage of you. Absolutely. Um, and, so, and some some kind of newbies into the fitness model that, that that'll happen they'll give away all the rights to their pictures and all kinds of they'll think that they're getting more out of the deal when when it's the other the other party that's kind of getting everything they want and you show up with this like you know you show up with the physique they need but they kind of don't give a whole lot in return absolutely so, so that you i mean and it's so it's you know that's just a matter of if you like you said earlier knowing knowing the players in the game and, mm-hmm. and getting a lay of the land and understanding what is a good opportunity and what isn't. And then from there, I mean, part of the story is just keeping your hat in the game long enough to get a break. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I, I, I know you... So, okay, go ahead. No. Uh, you, you've helped me screen, you know, screen those opportunities mm-hmm. and know that, hey, you know, you can do anything, but you can't do everything. And there are consequences to what you choose and choose not to do. And... Um, those those have just been some of my learning experiences and being an inspiration to others. You know, I, I think you've heard, I heard that phrase like, if you set yourself on fire, people will come to watch you burn. Mm. And I know that there are people who are interested in you know what I'm doing because you know not many people, sadly, but not many people are passionate or pursuing what they're excited about. Mm-hmm. And then I guess they can kind of live vicariously through you, like saying, hey, you know, keep going, keep pushing. And I wish I could be where you're at. And uh, I think it just comes back to belief and having a good, you know, support system. Somebody who's, who's going to willing to be able to invest in you. And I think in the Adonis community, that's the only place I've really seen that, where everybody's mutually moving forward and positive and supportive of one another. There are a few knuckleheads, you know, in there, but we we clean those guys out pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's yeah. I mean, someone's got to lead, right? Yeah. And it just takes it really just takes one person to get the ball rolling and then other people feed off of that and then over the years one group has led to the next group has led to the next group. So you were part of the very first like group with, with the Jasons and a few others and kind of anyone who's been in the community for any length of time already knows what I'm talking about. And then it just it evolves. Year after year it evolves. And that's yes. sort of um it just sort of pu- pulls the whole system along and that's and that's good that more and more people are. It's not just one person, everyone watching. Like it's as soon as someone jumps in, a few other people are like, "Oh, I'll try that too," and then it just kind of rolls from there. So, okay, where'd you got? Uh, so, what happened? Okay, where are we in 2013? What what's um, talk us through the last couple competitions and and other things that have come up? Yeah. Uh, so setting the tone for uh, for Max Muscle that debut that feature day arms. 
arm workout for me in the month of January. Mm -hmm. And then uh, in the month of February, I was featured again in the magazine with a chest and back workout. Mm -hmm. um, those are samples of the Adonis workout. If you, I think I've sent, sent some of those to you, but they actually let me write the article. So I had the freedom to talk about how I prepare for contests and what exercise I like to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, leg and back workout also came out, I think it was the month of April. And there's one more issue. So that's me appearing in a, in a magazine, uh, you know, up to four times. So that's like having four different business cards or in the fitness industry, we call those tear sheets. Mm. That's, you know, you tear, if you tear this out of a magazine and that's your digital portfolio, this is what you've done. Oh, gotcha. Yep. So if I need to submit to a company to say, hey, you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done. I would submit those tear sheets with my bio and my resume. So that's kind of how I'm building my business and resume on the fitness model side of the house, yet using the Adonis system to keep me on track to stay in shape. Mm -hmm. And um, I guess uh, moving forward in time, uh, I had the chance to meet Brad Howard for the very first time in the month of April. When oh, yeah, I, this is interesting. Talk about this. Okay. So um, long, story sh long story short, uh, you know, I was active in the community and um, even on social media, but I saw an ad on this website called My Superhero Guy. They were looking for a, uh, a well-built model to be the life cast mold for a Superman costume. And these are, you know, high-end, uh, you know, multiple thousand dollar, you know, multi, you know, probably two to three grand custom-built suits. Mm -hmm. And I had the chance to meet and interview for this position. And after the after the interview, a couple of weeks later, the owner of the company he called me back and said, you know, hey, you're the model. And um, I was, you know, I was. Uh, it was a humbling experience, and uh, just the opportunity to to do that, you know, to model a superhero. That's something you would envision, but like to actually say, you know, hey, this is my body mold, and that's expected to come out here in the next uh, two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. So that so you were. And I don't know if we'll be able to put some pictures up on the website for that goes with this podcast. Okay. Can you do that? Do you have pictures of that? I have pictures of the actual molding event and a prototype of what the. All right. Yeah. So like. let's, if you can, let's put that up. So when on the on this post, okay. Because you sent me the pictures. I thought they were cool. So, yeah. So the point that so your your body was used as the model for this this suit, and were they not teaching? Like they were, these are special effects people they were teaching. Were, oh yeah, th yeah. these are, uh, the name of the company was called uh, Reynolds Advanced Materials. They have uh, organizations in, you know, California, New York, and this was a live demonstration, a paid demonstration. So there was about maybe 30 to 40 people in the audience mm -hmm. watching, filming, videoing this whole mold experience. And uh, I'm standing on a platform, as you'll see in the photos, and uh, they're pouring this mold over my body. And, uh, you know, when Brad and I talked afterwards after doing the math, I had about maybe 160 pounds of material on my body to ha help that mold set. And I was on my feet for about five hours. And how sore were you? Oh, man, uh, I was so sore I had to get a deep tissue massage the next day. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you were standing there for five hours. and like. Oh, yeah. Now, that mold obviously was setting, but were you, like, kind of half holding it up too? Like, how does that work? Uh, yeah, you had to. I had to keep my knees slightly bent. You know, if you lock your knees, you're gonna pass out. Mm. But there was very little movement. Like, you know, you just you're just standing there on this platform, and there's two two by fours. You know that you can brace yourself on. Mm -hmm. 
but you're pretty much a you know a live model like live yeah, and you don't want to like bust the mold right no because the silicone was so uh sensitive you know it, it could rip easily so you had to be very still and um i was fed you know fed water and food you know like a baby during the whole <laughs> during the whole time so it's kind of kind of cool that way oh man yeah so yeah. that okay so that's interesting so the like the pictures yeah it's it's impressive and it looks I even talked to Brad about it, and he was like, man, that was crazy. They're just layering stuff on top of you, and then after what? Like, were your feet getting numb? Yeah, my feet started to go numb because, you know, blood wasn't circulating. Yeah. I didn't, I couldn't move my legs, so um, uh, my parents were there, so they helped massage my feet just to keep – and I was trying to do some – I guess the only exercise I did that day was toe crunches, <laughs> <laughs> crunching my toes to keep the blood pumping there. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. When you to- Okay, so how do they take the thing off? Do they, like, cut it? Uh, what they do is uh, in in the mold they insert these uh, green uh, silicone straps called keys. So when they cut it, it, those keys give them a guide to cut around so they won't rip it. Ah, uh, okay. So th- those were it was inserted into the mold itself. Right, right. So that was their guide. It was kind of like a guideline. If you were tracing scissors, this would be the the trace of how to cut the mold off your body. I but see. the the plaster holds the holds the silicone intact when they when they pull the suit off of you. I see. So it was multiple layers. Right. So the plaster is just, uh, that's like an extra layer that can just be done away with. Yeah, it's just there to maintain the integrity of the mold once you uh, pour it. They poured it with uh, fiberglass. Okay. So to prevent it from spilling out and holding its shape, the, the, the plaster is the, last, is the last outer shell, kind of like an exoskeleton. Yeah, and then the people in the crowd, they're, they're, this is a course, this is part of a, a seminar or course they're taking to learn how to do this. Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yep. And you say that the actual suit will be out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it'll be available. From the um, time we're recording this, so sometime in July. Absolutely. Yeah. There's some prototypes out now. I've seen a few pictures yeah. of, of the suit. It looks, it looks really amazing, so I'm really excited about it. Um, the, incentive, the incentive for me doing this uh, build was to um, to get the suit. I have my own custom suit. You know, it fits my body, but it's scaled. <laughs> yeah, do from... you think it better fit your body? <laughs> yeah, it's scaled from five uh, ten to six foot two inches. So anybody within those height requirements could wear this could wear this prototype suit. But it is custom molded off of my physique. Right, and yeah. so and so and part. So the reason we're even mentioning this is. This is how this these are the sort of opportunities that can come up that like you you know two years ago would you have even thought there would be such thing as as being as you'd be interviewed to be the body mold for a Superman superhero uh, suit? Oh, uh, none at all. Like I the uh, system has blown my mind and continues to do so. You know every every month and day. So I just you know keep pushing harder to see where it'll take me. You know I'm enjoying the journey. Yeah, and then and that also adds to your sort of fitness, your fitness resume. It's like, well, you've been yes. in magazines, but you've also been a, a body mold thing, and so and that's not, and that now that's starting to move into a different area. Like, who knows what that could lead to, right? Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's just some that's something different than, than just a con uh, um, a resume of competitions or a resume of how many magazines you've been in or how many articles you've written. Um, this is just another piece, right? It's another spoke on the wheel that you wouldn't have thought of that you've been a, a body mold, you know, model. Absolutely. And I think that comes back to what you said about, you know, treating your physique like a business, thinking outside the box. You know, at the end of the day, everybody 
you know, in the community, I'm sure they're passionate about health and fitness, but there's a lot more going on and there's a lot of, uh, I guess, untapped potential mm-hmm. that you can take advantage of. And if I was still in this, you know, competition mindset, you know, I got to compete, I got to do this, I really would be selling myself short as I've been able to prove that there are untapped areas that we can explore in m- multiple areas. But, you know, your your physique can be a gateway to other opportunities if you just think outside the box and be willing to try some different things. Mm-hmm. And that's the way you got to view it. Like your physique's the... Like I said, spokes on a wheel. It's like your physique's the middle. Yes. It's it's the hub, and then it, you can go all different directions. Like competition's one thing. Writing in magazines is a different thing. Getting, mm-hmm. getting photo shoot. Like you don't need to win a competition to get a magazine cover. You just need to have the look they want. At a competition, I don't know if people realize this, but there's a lot of um, marketing people in the crowd who are scanning to see if you've got the look they want for. Um, for either an article or a product placement ad where they want your body with with they want your physique next to um, some sort of product or they just want to profile you so it's if you're just sort of there and you got a look they want then they'll come to you they'll be like you got you know but you got to be there and you got to be in shape absolutely but but the idea isn't it doesn't you don't have to be the winner if you walk up and you place 10th out of 10th but they like your shape best they're like that's still the guy we want and that's why it's worth if you're if you kind of want to pursue this at all, it's you gotta be you gotta be at these things. And there's there's more than one way to win, John. Like you said, you know, winning doesn't always happen on the stage. You can win off the stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the I think another important principle or philosophy that I've learned from the Adonis system, and it's been ingrained in my mind ever since, is to always always you know no matter no matter what, even if you you train for these transformation contest or you train for a competition always book a photo shoot on or around the date of your competition because it serves as a benchmark of progression and you never know what those photos could be used for at a later time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so those are some uh, you know helpful tips and advice that I still uh, strive and stand by for and I would say as far as keeping yourself accountable to yourself I guess and honest mm-hmm. book, book a photo shoot once a year or once every eight months or whatever it is just for something to gear up for, I, I've people have asked me like, once you get in shape, how do you stay in shape? And I've never had a good answer, and I don't think there is a good answer. I think the answer is an event. You have to, you have to. It, it seems to be event based. If you don't have another event to gear up towards, it's easy to let it go. I mean, maybe not all the way, but depending on what how tight you want to keep things, and I don't know. It just seems like some you have to gear up for something kind of once a year to keep keep you honest and. Yeah. And that seems to be, and if you you don't ever have to compete, but like just do a photo shoot for yourself, mm-hmm. and include a few people in it. Maybe talk, tell people in the community do something where you're gearing up for this thing, and at least some people are in on it with you, and that's that keeps you honest. Like people get excited about that. Why don't you talk? Let's talk about the, um, the work thing when other people get on board. Oh yeah, um, you know people people see your people. Well, people are always watching other people. But again, you know, going back to that phrase, if you set yourself on fire, people will watch you burn. And, uh, you know, just in my personal uh, work experience, you know, I am in the military, so fitness is a caveat, but uh, my goals are different than my coworkers, so to speak, because I'm actually competing and on stage. And they see the discipline, you know, they see you, well, they don't, sometimes they may see you in the gym, but they may see you preparing in advance to bring your food in or, you know, not eating what's on the menu, so to speak. 
That doesn't mean that, in my opinion, that doesn't mean that that I'm better than somebody else. That just means my goals are different. And I believe once you get to that level of consistency, people will challenge you at first, but they're just trying to gauge your reaction. But once they see that you're consistent, then they start to respect you. And I think that's kind of the initial resistance people get at, at first. You know, when they start living the Adonis lifestyle, mm -hmm. they'll get, you know, negative feedback or reactions from people. And then they're just trying to, they're really just trying to scrub and fill you out. Like, is he really about what he is? And then once they, once they find out, hey, you know, he's serious or he's a real deal, they'll start, you know, asking you for advice and asking you for questions. And then um, even, you know, even your supervisors or people in your line of work will uh, come to support you as far as uh, your events and competitions, as far as letting you go and attend. That's, that's been my experience. Yeah, and I, and I know other people have had a similar experience, even where mm. they're, the, the where they work actually got on board paying for their gym membership or or sponsoring them at a show. Yes. Because it was kind of, you know, they kind of took it on as a proud. They were kind of proud that one of their own was doing something, doing something besides just coming to work and going home. Yeah, absolutely. So other people, yeah. If you take things, uh, and I like that point, you got to kind of cross. You have to get through that initial phase where people are sort of poking at you and sort of testing if you're serious and then once you get through to the other side of that and they're like oh yeah that person's legit then then they're they're not skeptical or they're not um they're on board then now they're instead of feeling like an adversary then now they're on now they're supporting you yes so but yeah i, I know what you mean by that by um that first phase you have to kind of deal with because you are doing something different and they're mm -hmm. trying to figure out why you're doing that and when, when they realize you, you just want to and you're serious about it, they're like, oh, okay, he's serious. So we'll, we'll take him seriously too. Yes, yes. All right, so then what's next? So, well, you know what? One thing I did want to point out, and this is something I don't know that we've told people. I know you and I have talked about it, mm -hmm. is the competition, the difference between looking your best and looking how they want at a competition. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. depending on the category, depending on the federation, depending on the level you're competing in, the look you show up with, it's it's not necessarily the look they, they may want it in one competition. So uh, uh, how am I going to say this? The same, the same physique could win one competition and lose another. Totally. Yeah. So because you've had you've experienced this, you've placed all over the place showing up and, you know, then you talk to the judges and. You know, I know that's happened over the last year and a half. Can you walk us through, like, because you and I talked, you're like, am I even going to yeah. do, do another competition? And and throughout it all, you have to remember not to let it, you have to have some thick skin and not let it change how you think about yourself or how, how far you've come. Because I think you look, I think your physique's really good. And at AT7, I think was your best conditioned. Mm. But we know that that condition worked for one show, but not for another and so, kind of just talk people through that process so they get an idea of that, like what competition really entails when it comes yeah. to judging. A lot of, and that's great, John. I've gotten a lot of feedback in the community. People have asked me, you know, what are they looking for? Um, I mean, in essence, in essence, they're looking for overall symmetry, uh, muscular definition, and a marketable personality or look. In and in, in what level? In a. Um, in a physique, not non bodybuilder level. So when they say symmetry, they don't mean mass or bulkiness. Notice I did not say mass. I said symmetry and definition. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So um, some of the some of the it's kind of like submitting a paper. Like your body when you go to a competition, your body is a 
a term paper. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, rather than turning the pages, you're doing quarter turns on your body and they're, and they're evaluating you. Mm-hmm. So different, uh, different, different uh, organizations could even change within the organization, be it at the, you know, regional level or the national level. Um, and you've had that exact thing happen to you. Absolutely. At the, at the regional, at the regional level, I came into a competition and was told I was too big. So I sized down and then at the national competition, everybody came in bigger and I came in smaller and the feedback I got was, Hey, you're too small. I'm like, well, what do you, what do you want me to be? You know, so <laughs> somebody, somebody make up their mind here. <laughs> exactly. And the, um, the lines for my division I compete in men's physique, they're still unclear, but they do know they don't want a bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. But what exactly a men's physique model looks like is still subjective and open to interpretation. And, uh, and that's something that anybody uh, thinking of modeling has to think of what he just said. They know what they don't want, but they don't know what they want. Yes. <laughs> All they know is not bodybuilder, but that just leaves it wide open. So they're just not sure. So you Absolutely. Got, you got, and like, and so continue with your story about how you keep, you keep like you're one step behind them. Yeah, uh, one you know you 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 fight for feedback because obviously you don't want to come in presenting the wrong the wrong uh, credentials or material so to speak if you viewed your body as a paper, yeah. and uh, one of the things that I you know was proud of in my physique as always and I got a lot of compliments on were my traps, but in the in the men's physique organization though the traps are too similar to bodybuilding, so that is one thing that I constantly I I would say get dinged for. Or told to fix. Yeah, you, so, your your traps are too big for them. You know? Yeah, too big for too big for them. Um, I wish I could, you know, take a pin and deflate them, but they're yeah. not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's when you and I started trying to come up with ways for you to train shoulders that disinvolve disengaged traps. So we came up with a few strategies to try to work dealt with turning trap off as much as possible. Absolutely. And uh, through that uh, through that process, John, what we found was that. Um, any any deltoid exercises I'm going to do, besides a you know military press or dumbbell press, any lateral presses have to be cable. They cannot be dumbbell because mm-hmm. that's too ballistic and it'll it'll fire and activate the trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even when I do the you know deltoid or lateral raises, I try to go slow so as not to stimulate the trap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that's, and, you know, and that's just one little example of. Going to a competition, getting the feedback, finding out what's wrong, then coming back and tweaking, or not what's wrong, but what they deem as like a, an issue, mm-hmm. and then coming back, you know, back to the workshop, I guess the gym, and then making adjustments, and then going back, you know, however many months later to see if see if it worked, sort of, so to speak. Absolutely. All right. Well, then work us through because I know you've had you so you've had that kind of weird back and forth where you showed up in the reverse condition for the regional and then the national show, but then you, you finally got it. Yeah. Then finally, finally nailing the look, um, was going in towards the end of, uh, 2012 mm-hmm. when I went off to, when I went off to LA, I think the gauntlet had been out for maybe one or two weeks mm-hmm. or a few weeks. And, uh, I found out about, you know, again, doing research, went to, uh, a company called fitness models international. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John had been saying, you know, your physique is a business. Your physique is a business. So I found a company that taught the fitness industry as if you are a business. 
And uh, through that opportunity, I was able to network with some people and they say, you know, this is how you want to look. This is how you present yourself. This is how you market yourself to other companies. And um, things really took off there at the end of 2012. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, getting the magazines, doing this other work has really helped me define what the ideal look is for me, regardless of a competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I really, really taken a back burner to competitions because... When I would go to the events, you know, like I said uh, in the earlier part of the podcast, competitors' heads were in the limelight. Like, I just want to get my pro card, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. And it's kind of like graduating from college or high school. Just because you get that degree of a pro card, that does not make you successful. Yeah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean there's there's a corner office job that pays $150,000 you're waiting for you. It's Exactly. Like you're... How many other people have a degree? And I remember telling you this. How many guys are on that stage who are in good shape too? Yes. So, exactly. so it's it's all the other things you can get out of that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that what and I think um, I don't know if I tell you this, John, but back in the day when I was in high school, I was always passionate. Almost I wouldn't say I was at my best, but like I I treated nutrition and health seriously. And I earned the nickname uh, Captain Healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know one of your online handles. In yeah. I know it's somewhere here on Skype or something. Yeah, but one of the things that, one of the side stories that relates to what I'm going through now is, you know, I wasn't the best. I didn't have the greatest technique. I wasn't the fastest guy in athletics. But I realized one way I could distance myself from my opponent was by taking my nutrition seriously. Mm-hmm. Because it would help me in my growth, you know, as a young kid still developing, it'll help in my recovery. And in the long run, you know, nutrition is the fuel that you need to perform. So I was like, if I can fuel my performance, I can distance myself from my opponent. Mm-hmm. And then once I realized that, you know, it was it was game on. And the same attitude that I found there is applied to my fitness marketing endeavors. A lot of people may work harder in the gym. And they may look better, but I'm going to outwork them in the industry and in the, uh, I guess, representing myself in the market. And that's what counts. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's the ultimate goal because people are doing A expecting B when A never equals B. Sometimes it'll equal E, D, F, G, yeah. you know. No, yeah. And a bunch of others, yeah. And a bunch of other plans, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, it's just the, the point is you can't be single-minded with it because – very few people make money just competing. Like, no, yes. no, there's just not a lot of money in competition. And back when I worked at various supplement companies, we had lots of athletes under contract. But that's, you know, that the competition's not even what makes them the money. It's it's getting on board with a different company. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not the prize money. Most of these competitions pay very little. Yes. It's, it's it's what else can happen, and that's, you know, and you're doing a good job of diversifying that. You, You've been in magazines. You've you've written in magazines. You've been on the cover. Um, you've placed in competitions. Now you're, you know, you've got the. It just keeps expanding. You've been a, you've been you've ended up being a mo- a body model for this mold. And so like that now that's another piece where those people can refer you out when the next if they ever talk to somebody about where'd that model come from, you know. Mm-hmm. Then it just each opportunity leads to the next one. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And right. um, go ahead. I think uh, I guess. Coming up to modern day, or not modern day, present day time, uh, the most recent experience I had was uh, going to the uh, bodybuilding.com, the Fit USA competition. Mm-hmm. So that was a result of you know finding out what look is ideal from a marketing standpoint, 
and honing in on that look mm-hmm. and then just, you know, submitting that package and getting good feedback. Mm-hmm. So that that came as a result of, you know, staying the course, um, finding out about an event, you know, you know, searching out events, things that would be of interest to me, working smarter, not harder, and then, uh, you know, getting good feedback. Yeah, and it's to the point now where, I, I mean, I would say you should be looking for events that don't force you to change your shape the way those other events did. Absolutely. Like if you like the shape you have, and obviously so did the, the people who used, wanted you for the body mold, so, so did the magazine people. It's like clearly the, it's, it's a marketable shape. It, you know, you should avoid, at least I think, you should avoid competitions where they look at you and like, oh, 20 pounds heavier. Oh, no, you need to be lighter or whatever. It's like, no, you don't need to be anything else besides what you are right now. Yes. And then I, I would tailor the next event to what you have now versus trying to fit yourself into what some other event wants. Absolutely. Absolutely. And in the end of the day, for anybody who's thinking of this sort of thing, thick skin. Like, it, you can't, you gotta be, you gotta be comfortable knowing you worked really hard and you got in the best shape of your life and they could still pick you 10 out of 10. Like, Absolutely. You could completely finish totally last just because that judging panel just didn't like the way you looked for that day. And that doesn't mean it, you can't allow that to diminish your your kind of accomplishment, and that's something I remember I talked to you about. It's just you know, you got you got to be like firm that you like the way it looks, regardless if that particular judging panel didn't. Yep, mm-hmm. who you are, like who you are as a person, is independent of what you do as a competitor, or oh, totally, as a totally. as a yeah. Yep, and that's and you have to have that. Like I've worked with guys and girls who've that's rattled them at one point and i'm like you can't you gotta understand you're in better condition than the entire population except and the only people who think you're not and placed four or five other people ahead of you in the whole country are just those four or five judges so that's like kind of you got to put it in context right Mm -hmm. you know so all right well let's move forward what uh what's the goal for the rest of the year then yeah um I guess the goal for the rest of the year is now that I've, uh, you know, amassed uh, amount of success, you know, on and off the stage is looking to expand my brand and uh, be able to work with others to give back the knowledge I've learned. Because I believe that there are more people out there like myself who want to be successful, but just uh, didn't have somebody to help them. Or they thought, hey, if I just get my pro card or if I just compete, I'll make it. And then once they hit that stage and realize how tough it is and maybe their skin isn't that thick, they may, you know, quit early on their dream when they didn't they didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, having the chance to work with the Adonis uh, with the Adonis system and impart, you know, my knowledge and experience is kind of saying, hey, you know, I'm I'm passing the torch of lessons learned. Mm-hmm. So that you know, people can go beyond and be greater than what I've what I've done. I've just kind of blazed the trail, so to speak. Gotcha. Yep. So moving forward, you're going to add in add in, I guess, taking on a mentor coach role as as well as keeping your hat in the game for whatever else comes. Absolutely. And I've uh, the people even at a I would say at a local level, you know, I, ch- I always challenge people because you know once you once you kind of you know, get out there and get in the limelight, you do get a lot of, uh, I'll call it uh, fodder or, you know, chaff. You know, a lot of people will come and ask you questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your time is valuable. And I, and I appreciate you, John, taking the time out tonight to chat with me. But, you know, you do have to screen your time. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, if you have a, if you have a system or something that you can pre-qualify people, you can help save that time and work with the people who are who really have a vested interest in them. Well, who deserve your time? Deserve your time, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have a vested interest in themselves, and then that's what motivates me. You know, people like uh, you know Paul Tomlinson. Not just you know he's a recent place or placement in the AT10 contest. Yeah. You know, he just came up to me, you know, in the in the workshop, and I said, "Hey, man, you know, this is what it takes, and if you want it, you can do it." And you know, he was a go-getter. So, um, not not everybody is at that high-speed level, but I do want to be relatable, and I feel like um, if I can present myself in that fashion, then I can uh, positively impact others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that and that's and you just said it like he, you just laid it out, and he's like, "I'll do it," and he did it. And so mm-hmm. those are the those are the people you want to work with. There's just like a lot. Everybody wants the physique, but not really everyone's going to put the time and effort into getting it. So the the people you zero in on are the ones who who you can identify right away are going to put the time and effort in because that's it's, you know it's just there's just not enough time in the day to and there's no there's no motivating anyone to do anything. They have to have the motivation. You just have to like steer them in the right direction. Yes. All right, man. So, well, moving. Well, so I guess you know people in the in the community are gonna want to want to touch base with you, and uh, but you're always available. And then you know moving forward, who knows what else we're gonna do this year or next? But you know you're part you're part of the team now, and so keep us posted on whatever happens next. And I also want to see this suit when it's ready. So I guess we'll, oh yeah, we'll do another post when that's ready. That'll be my I think that'll be my most heroic photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so, well, I think this is a good place to leave it. Um, All right, so for Alan Elliott, I'm John Barber, and that's your Adonis Index podcast.